part five section eight of weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part five the entail section eight one day as v was sitting by himself in the justice-room amongst his law-papers hubert came in with a grave and more composed manner than usual and said in a voice that bordered upon melancholy i will accept my brother's last proposals if you will contrive that i have the two thousand fredericks door to-day i will leave the castle this very night on horseback alone with the money asked v you are right replied hubert i know what you would say the weight give it me in bills on isaac lazarus of k for to k i am going this very night something is driving me away from this place the old fellow has bewitched it with evil spirits do you mean your father herr baron asked v sternly hubert's lips trembled he had to cling to the chair to keep from falling but then suddenly recovering himself he cried to-day then please herr justitiarius and staggered to the door not however without some exertion he now sees that no deceptions are any longer of avail that he can do nothing against my firm will said the freiherr whilst drawing up the bills on isaac lazarus in k a burden was lifted off his heart by the departure of his inimical brother and for a long time he had not been in such cheerful spirits as he was at supper hubert had sent his excuses and there was not one who regretted his absence the room which v occupied was somewhat retired and its windows looked upon the courtyard in the night he was suddenly startled up out of his sleep and was under the impression that he had been awakened by a distant and pitiable moan but listen as he would all remained still as the grave and so he was obliged to conclude that the sound which had fallen upon his ears was the delusion of a dream but at the same time he was seized with such a peculiar feeling of breathless anxiety and terror that he could not stay in bed he got up and approached the window it was not long however before the castle door was opened and a figure with a blazing torch came out of the castle and went across the courtyard v recognized the figure as that of old daniel and saw him open the stable door and go in and soon afterwards bring out a saddle-horse now a second figure came into view out of the darkness well wrapped in furs and with a fox-skin cap on his head v perceived that it was hubert but after he had spoken excitedly with daniel for some minutes he returned into the castle daniel led back the horse into the stable and locked the door and also that of the castle after he had returned across the courtyard in the same way in which he had crossed it before it was evident hubert had intended to go away on horseback but had suddenly changed his mind and no less evident was it that there was a dangerous understanding of some sort between hubert and the old house steward v looked forward to the morning with burning impatience he would acquaint the freiherr with the occurrences of the night really it was now time to take precautionary measures against the attacks of hubert's malice which v was now convinced had been betrayed in his agitated behaviour of the day before next morning at the hour when the freiherr was in the habit of rising v heard people running backwards and forwards 
doors opened and slammed to and a tumultuous confusion of voices talking and shouting on going out of his room he met servants everywhere who without heeding him ran past him with ghastly pale faces upstairs downstairs in and out the rooms at length he ascertained that the freiherr was missing and that they had been looking for him for hours in vain as he had gone to bed in the presence of his personal attendant he must have afterwards got up and gone away somewhere in his dressing-gown and slippers taking the large candlestick with him for these articles were also missed v his mind agitated with dark forebodings ran up to the ill-fated hall the cabinet adjoining which wolfgang had chosen like his father for his own bedroom the postern leading to the tower stood wide open with a cry of horror v shouted there he lies dashed to pieces at the bottom of the ravine and it was so there had been a fall of snow so that all they could distinctly make out from above was the rigid arm of the unfortunate man protruding from between the stones many hours passed before the workmen succeeded at great risk of life in descending by means of ladders bound together and drawing up the corpse by the aid of ropes in the last agonies of death the baron had kept a tight hold upon the silver candlestick the hand in which it was clenched was the only uninjured part of his whole body which had been shattered in the most hideous way by rebounding on the sharp stones just as the corpse was drawn up and carried into the hall and laid upon the very same spot on the large table where a few weeks before old roderick had lain dead hubert burst in his face distorted by the frenzy of despair quite overpowered by the fearful sight he wailed brother oh my poor brother no this i never prayed for from the demons who had entered into me this suspicious self-exculpation made v tremble he felt impelled to proceed against hubert as the murderer of his brother hubert however had fallen on the floor senseless they carried him to bed but on taking strong restoratives he soon recovered then he appeared in v s room pale and sorrow-stricken and with his eyes half clouded with grief and unable to stand owing to his weakness he slowly sank down into an easy-chair saying i have wished for my brother's death because my father had made over to him the best part of the property through the foolish conversion of it into an entail he has now found a fearful death i am now lord of the estate tale but my heart is rent with pain i can i shall never be happy i confirm you in your office you shall be invested with the most extensive powers in respect to the management of the estate upon which i cannot bear to live hubert left the room and in two or three hours was on his way to k it appeared that the unfortunate wolfgang had got up in the night probably with the intention of going into the other cabinet where there was a library in the stupor of sleep he had mistaken the door and had opened the postern taken a step out and plunged headlong down but after all had been said there was nevertheless a good deal that was strained and unlikely in this explanation if the baron was unable to sleep and wanted to get a book out of the library this of itself excluded all idea of sleep stupor but this condition alone could account for any mistaking of the postern for the door of the cabinet 
then again the former was fast locked and required a good deal of exertion to unlock it these improbabilities v accordingly put before the domestics who would gather round him and at length the freiherr's body-servant francis by name said nay nay my good herr justitiarius it couldn't have happened in that way well how then asked v abruptly and sharply but francis a faithful honest fellow who would have followed his master into his grave was unwilling to speak out before the rest he stipulated that what he had to say about the event should be confided to the justitiarius alone in private v now learned that the freiherr used often to talk to francis about the vast treasure which he believed lay buried beneath the ruins of the tower and also that frequently at night as if goaded by some malicious fiend he would open the postern the key of which daniel had been obliged to give him and would gaze with longing eyes down into the chasm where the supposed riches lay there was now no doubt about it on that ill-omened night the freiherr after his servant had left him must have taken one of his usual walks to the postern where he had been most likely suddenly seized with dizziness and had fallen over daniel who also seemed much upset by the freiherr's terrible end thought it would be a good thing to have the dangerous postern walled up and this was at once done freiherr hubert von r who had then succeeded to the entail went back to courland without once showing himself at r sitten again v was invested with full powers for the absolute management of the property the building of the new castle was not proceeded with but on the other hand the old structure was put in as good a state of repair as possible several years passed before hubert came again to r sitten late in the autumn but after he had remained shut up in his room with v for several days he went back to courland passing on his way through k he deposited his will with the government authorities there the freiherr whose character appeared to have undergone a complete revolution spoke more than once during his stay at r sitten of presentiments of his approaching death and these apprehensions were really not unfounded for he died in the very next year his son named like the deceased baron hubert soon came over from courland to take possession of the rich inheritance and was followed by his mother and his sister the youth seemed to unite in his own person all the bad qualities of his ancestors he proved himself to be proud arrogant impetuous avaricious in the very first moments after his arrival at r sitten he wanted to have several things which did not suit his notions of what was right and proper altered there and then the cook he kicked out of doors and he attempted to thrash the coachman in which however he did not succeed for the big brawny fellow had the impudence not to submit to it in fact he was on the high road to assuming the role of a harsh and severe lord of the entail when v interposed in his firm earnest manner declaring most explicitly that not a single chair should be moved that not even a cat should leave the house if she liked to stay in it until after the will had been opened you have the presumption to tell me the lord of the entail began the baron v however cut short the young man who was foaming with rage and said whilst he measured him with a keen searching glance don't be in too great a hurry herr baron 
at all events you have no right to exercise authority here until after the opening of your father's will it is i i alone who am now master here and i shall know how to meet violence with violent measures please to recollect that by virtue of my powers as executor of your father's will as well as by virtue of the arrangements which have been made by the court i am empowered to forbid your remaining in our zitten if i think fit to do so and so if you wish to spare me this disagreeable step i would advise you to go away quietly to k the lawyer's earnestness and the resolute tone in which he spoke lent the proper emphasis to his words hence the young baron who was charging with far too sharp-pointed horns felt the weakness of his weapons against the firm bulwark and found it convenient to cover the shame of his retreat with a burst of scornful laughter three months passed and the day was come on which in accordance with the expressed wish of the deceased his will was to be opened at k where it had been deposited in the chambers there was besides the officers of the court the baron and v a young man of noble appearance whom v had brought with him and who was taken to be v's clerk since he had a parchment deed sticking out from the breast of his buttoned-up coat him the baron treated as he did nearly all the rest with scornful contempt and he demanded with noisy impetuosity that they should make haste and get done with all their tiresome needless ceremonies as quickly as possible and without over many words and scribblings he couldn't for the life of him make out why any will should be wanted at all with respect to the inheritance and especially in the case of entailed property and no matter what provisions were made in the will it would depend entirely upon his decision as to whether they should be observed or not after casting a hasty and surly glance at the handwriting and the seal the baron acknowledged them to be those of his dead father upon the clerk of the court preparing to read the will aloud the young baron throwing his right arm carelessly over the back of his chair and leaning his left on the table whilst he drummed with his fingers on its green cover sat staring with an air of indifference out of the window after a short preamble the deceased freiherr hubert von r declared that he had never possessed the estate tail as its lawful owner but that he had only managed it in the name of the deceased freiherr wolfgang von r's only son called roderick after his grandfather and he it was to whom according to the rights of family priority the estate had fallen on his father's death amongst hubert's papers would be found an exact account of all revenues and expenditure as well as of existing movable property etc the will went on to relate that wolfgang von r had during his travels made the acquaintance of mademoiselle julia de st val in geneva and had fallen so deeply in love with her that he resolved never to leave her side again she was very poor and her family although noble and of good repute did not however rank amongst the most illustrious for which reason wolfgang dared not expect to receive the consent of old roderick to a union with her for the old freiherr's aim and ambition was to promote by all possible means the establishment of a powerful family nevertheless he ventured to write from paris to his father acquainting him with the fact that his affections were engaged 
but what he had foreseen was actually realized the old baron declared categorically that he had himself chosen the future mistress of the entail and therefore there could never be any mention made of any other wolfgang instead of crossing the channel into england as he was to have done returned into geneva under the assumed name of born and married julia who after this lapse of a year bore him a son and this son became on wolfgang's death the real lord of the entail in explanation of the facts why hubert though acquainted with all this had kept silent so long and had represented himself as lord of the entail various reasons were assigned based upon agreements formerly made with wolfgang but they seemed for the most part insufficient and devoid of real foundation the baron sat staring at the clerk of the court as if thunderstruck whilst the latter went on proclaiming all this bad news in a provokingly monotonous and jarring tone when he finished v rose and taking the young man whom he had brought with him by the hand said as he bowed to the assembled company here i have the honour to present to you gentlemen freiherr roderick von r lord of the entail of r sitten baron hubert looked at the youth who had as it were fallen from the clouds to deprive him of the rich inheritance together with half the unentailed courland estates with suppressed fury in his gleaming eyes then threatening him with his doubled fist he ran out of the court without uttering a word baron roderick on being challenged by the court officers produced the documents by which he was to establish his identity as the person whom he represented himself to be he handed in an attested extract from the register of the church where his father was married and which certified that on such and such a day wolfgang born merchant born in k had been united in marriage with the blessing of the church to mademoiselle julia de st val on the presence of certain witnesses who were named further he produced his own baptismal certificate he had been baptized in geneva as the son of the merchant born and his wife julia née de st val begotten in lawful wedlock and various letters from his father to his mother who was long since dead but they none of them had any other signature than w v looked through all these papers with a cloud upon his face and as he put them together again he said somewhat troubled ah well god will help us the very next morning freiherr hubert von r presented through an advocate whose services he had succeeded in enlisting in his cause a statement of protest to the government authorities in k actually calling upon them to effectuate the immediate surrender to him of the entail of r sitten it was incontestable maintained the advocate that the deceased freiherr hubert von r had not had the power to dispose of entailed property either by testament or in any other way the testament in question therefore was nothing more than an evidential statement written down and deposited with the court to the effect that freiherr wolfgang von r had bequeathed the estate tale to a son who was at that time still living and accordingly it had as evidence no greater weight than that of any other witness and so could not by any possibility legitimately establish the claims of the person who had announced himself to be freiherr roderick von r 
hence it was rather the duty of this new claimant to prove by action at law his alleged rights of inheritance which were hereby expressly disputed and denied and so also to take proper steps to maintain his claim to the estate tail which now according to the laws of succession fell to baron hubert von r by the father's death the property came at once immediately into the hands of the son there was no need for any formal declaration to be made of his entering into possession of the inheritance since the succession could not be alienated at any rate the present owner of the estate was not going to be disturbed in his possession by claims which were perfectly groundless whatever reasons the deceased might have had for bringing forward another heir of entail were quite irrelevant and it might be remarked that he had himself had an intrigue in switzerland as could be proved if necessary from the papers he had left behind him and it was quite possible that the person whom he alleged to be his brother's son was his own son the fruit of an unlawful love for whom in a momentary fit of remorse he had wished to secure the entail End of part five the entail section eight recording by expatriate in bangor maine